Well, this is a this is going to be a unique Sunday at Sovereign Grace. Uh, we haven't we haven't done this before, and we're we're probably not likely to do something like this again, at least uh, anytime really soon. But uh, in God's providence, with Sam being gone this morning, and uh, just the recent pursuit of our church, uh, both on a leadership level and um, uh, the response amongst uh, all of you as well to uh, biblical counseling, uh, which is so much more than just what you think of therapeutically when you think biblical counseling, but really uh, comes to uh, really make up what the culture of a church is and how we relate to one another on a a week, week-to-week basis, and even a day-to-day basis, and what it means to be in each other's lives. Uh, we decided that we'd take the opportunity this morning to consider God's grace uh, in the lives of two members of Sovereign Grace Church. Uh, the flavor of, of, of uh, I guess, what we're going to do this morning comes from texts like Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Uh, God has recently been working the lives of two men in our church. That's not abnormal. We're not surprised by that. What's abnormal is that we're going to take this morning and we're going to have them share uh, specifically with us how God has been uh, working in their in their lives so that uh, we can rejoice with them, first of all, and uh, praise God for what he does. And secondly, so that in light of what Christ has done, we might be encouraged as well to love and good works and pursuit of, of God. So this morning we're going to hear from Joel Egna. Um, a lot of you know Joel. Joel's married to Melissa, and Joel's the father of Esperanza and Winter and Asia and Sakura and William. And uh, Joel and Melissa were founding members of Sovereign Grace in 2013. And then we're also going to hear from Ramdi Lemke this morning. If you don't know uh, Randy, he is married to Dolores, and he is the father of Cole, who's married to Heidi, and he's Madison's dad as well. And uh, Randy and Dolores joined us uh, in September of 2017. Uh, before they come up, uh, we're going to look briefly at Romans 12. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, this is one of the texts that God has uh, used in both of these uh, guys' lives uh, separately, but... Uh, uh, at the same at the same time, uh, just as we think of what uh, or what should come to mind as we look at Romans twelve, uh, the book of Romans starts uh, with Paul writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He starts the book of Romans saying, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel." The righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And uh, the Apostle Paul takes Romans uh, chapters 1 through 3 and, and lays out there how we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, how we have all exchanged, uh, every human being since the fall has exchanged the glory of the immortal God for idols. We have found our treasure and our identity and our joy in created things rather than in the thing that we're meant to find all those things in, rather than our creator into the all-glorious and holy God who made us. 
So we have fallen short of God's glory. Even those who received the law in the Old Testament, even those special people who were called out by God in the Old Testament, uh, they were not able to become righteous through the law. Uh, their own hearts led them astray. So that even the blessed people in the Old Testament who got to dwell in God's presence and got to uh, receive the, the law, they, what the law ended up doing was not blessing them, but it ended up just condemning them. That's what we see in Romans 1 through 3. And then Paul lays out in chapters 1 through 4, or 4 through 11, excuse me, 4 through 11 of the book of Romans, he explains how sinful people can be reconciled to God. Not by works, not by the law that we find in the Old Testament. The way that sinners are reconciled to God and declared righteous is by faith. So Christians are reconciled to God by faith. Faith in uh, what God has done for us in Christ in Christ's life and substitutionary death in our place and, and resurrection, and also faith uh, on the basis of Christ that uh, God in His Spirit has adopted us as sons and daughters in His family. That's what, that's what Paul does in Romans 1 through 11. And then on the basis of what God has done for you in Christ to reconcile, reconcile you to Himself in Jesus Christ, Paul writes in Romans 12 verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And if you jump down to verse 9, he writes of what should mark those who Christ has redeemed and reconciled to himself. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let me pray one more time before we invite Joel up. God, we thank you for your perfect and infallible and powerful word and how it works in us. We rejoice this morning in your willingness to, to move us from a place of spiritual darkness into your, your glorious light. We, we recognize we're undeserving objects of your love. We, we're unworthy recipients of your grace through Christ's blood that was shed for us. We are unfit orphans whom you have welcomed into your spiritual family. We thank you for making us a part of the body of Christ. 
and for the fact that that Sovereign Grace Church exists as one local expression of the body of Christ, and in spite of all our flaws, we rejoice that you seem determined to conform us into the image of your Son. We ask now that you'd grant uh, Joel and, and Randy peace and clarity as they share your work in their lives with us. Uh, would you give us soft hearts that are eager to hear from them? And by the power of your Spirit, would you, would you allow us to be stirred up to love and good works as we listen? We praise you, and we ask these things only on the basis of Jesus, your Son, who loved us and gave himself for us. In his name we pray. Amen. So Joel, welcome up. And uh, as soon as Joel's done, Randy, just feel free to come right up. Okay. All right. A little bit about me, guys. <clears throat> I, uh, I have a terrible memory, so I have to write things down. So I'm not trying to just read from the script here. I'm just trying to, just because I, I just don't have a very good memory, I have to do it from, from paper. So, um, uh, but uh, um, yeah, right into there like that. Sorry about that. Um, that's a little bit better. Um, I, I I just want to give a little message too, apart from this too, just from this morning. Uh, just how much uh, problems I've been having just trying to even just print this piece of paper out. Um, I, I was uh, trying all morning trying to print this out just because my computers weren't working and, and other things like that. So it's just, I think it just shows, um, you know, how much maybe, how much um, Satan doesn't want us to hear this message. But I'm going to try to bring it out as clear as possible for you guys. So, um, okay. So I'm just going to tell you how it goes here. Um, my life has been marred by tribulation and failure. I've also had some great successes. I've been married for 20 years to a loving wife. I have four beautiful daughters, and I have an awesome blue-haired son right there. <laughs> Uh, when you get to my age, you might start to think about what you might have done differently. I've had many choices, and I have had many fights and many battles of sin and of the curse. And um, my most recent battle was my battle with cancer. In December of 2012, I was experiencing stabbing pains in my gut. At first, I ignored it, thinking it was a flu bug. However, it continued, and it came back. And every time was a little bit more intense than the last. I remember telling Melissa something isn't right. I better go to the ER. Now you probably now is probably a good time as any to tell you that I'm not very good at uh, at timing. Um, uh, when I first asked Melissa out on a date, um, <laughs> I asked her if we could go out on her birthday. Uh, I called her a day after her birthday and said, you know, we should go out. And she was like, uh, my birthday was yesterday. So, so my timing has never been very good. Um, so in this, it's the same way. Um, uh, when I went to the trip to the ER, it was just a few days after Christmas. And it was also Melissa's birthday. I got it right this time, but uh, not what we wanted. So when we were supposed to be celebrating and enjoying each other's time, we were doing tests and waiting for results. 
This would mark my first time to doing a CT scan in my life. Uh, to this day, I can say I've done 20 CT scans, 15 PET scans, over 30 different medications, over 30 chemotherapy transfusions, over five blood transfusions, over four colonoscopies and endoscopies, over five hospital stays that lasted over a week, and over two I had two surgeries in that time period too. They found only a couple tumors that night. The doctor told us that they found tumors in the lower intestines and in the kidneys. It appears that it appeared to be cancer. You will want to make an appointment with an oncologist, he told us. Before this, I had always thought that I was going to die young. In the past sins, I felt that I deserved it. Uh, my wife was broken, however. Uh, she, um, she had already lost her mother to cancer when she was in her teenage years and now had to face the prospects of possibly burying her husband. A lot of emotions in that room that night. I remember talking to Sam that night. He, uh, he told us how sorry he was and that he would be praying. Uh, fast forward a few months. It was just uh, on my first run of chemo. I remember still experiencing the stabbing pains and still intensifying for every outburst. It was beginning to feel as if someone was stabbing me the first minute and the next time not. Uh, we found that the chemotherapy had been working in a way, uh, but what had been happening is the tumor in my lower intestine had weakened to a point where it ruptured. Uh, that night I went to the hospital in an ambulance. I instinctively held my gut in knowing that my life was in the balance again. The doctors worked tirelessly that night uh, reattaching my intestine and uh, I, mean, I knew my whole family was praying for me that night. After many hours of, uh, and stitches, I uh, won the battle for my life that night. Fast forward a few more months after that. I have, uh, I've healed from my surgery, and I was ready for my next round of chemo. Uh, we fought two years with chemo. I would get some tumors that shrank, some that grew. I had many people praying for me, including most of you. I started to pray for every, uh, I started to prepare for my eventual death. I knew it was important to prepare my family. Mostly, I was ready to die. My oncologist in Sioux Falls, Dr. Moy, said that I could do a stem cell transplant. If you don't know what that is, they cultivate your stem cells. Uh, your stem cells live in your spine, and uh, uh, they give you a $10,000 shot, and uh, that's what they gave me. And uh, that causes the stem cells to go into your bloodstream. They cultivate those stem cells, and then they hit you with a, a chemo. That's the most intense chemo you've ever received. Um, they said it brings you down to cell zero. I don't know what that means. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what that means. But um, one thing you should know about chemo, it's not really a cure. It's a poison. Um, just like uh, it kills the cancer cells, it kills the good cells, too, because... Um, it, uh, it, it, it just kills the whole body, basically. Um, but that's what those stem cells then were introduced, were reintroduced for, is to kind of reboot the system, if you will. And I just want to explain how chemo was for me, and I, I'm sure it's probably different for everybody, but for me, for those first four and seven days, uh, it was the worst sickness I've ever experienced. Dizziness as if the room was spinning like on a Ferris wheel or, a, um, uh, you know, just keep on spinning. And 
I had uh, hot cold flashes, uh, wanting to throw up, loss of appetite, and many other symptoms that uh, to to really mention. Um, I actually didn't lose my hair though, <laughs> except for when I did the stem cell transplant, um, which was unusual. My doctor always said that you know it was like, why aren't you losing your hair? But I never did until the end. Um, at this point, I want to put out a warning to you. Um, um, at this point, I was wanting to continue. I didn't want to continue. I was ready to die, and I would prefer it. The truth is that there was a darkness within me that was deadlier than the cancer itself. It, I've been harboring a past secret, something that the, I've been uh, that happened to me in my childhood, affected me severely for over 35 years. This is something that caused me great shame. It wasn't anything illegal. It wasn't adultery to Melissa, but I found great shame in the activity. The shame continued until actually only a couple of weeks ago. The shame was like a boulder on my back that I couldn't shake off. The very thing that made me rather die than continue on with my family. Um, I wanted to take a moment to apologize for those who prayed for me because I was not in that place. My heart was feeling that I wanted to end it. And... Um, I know many of you did pray for me. It wasn't until I started counseling with Sam, Tammy, and Scott, and we unearthed this shame. Uh, at first, I didn't want to talk about it. I skated around the issue. I hid the pain from them, hoping they wouldn't press me. Thankfully, they did. You see, the shame was the sin that was killing me. In fact, I told myself if they pressed me, I would just commit suicide, and the secret could just die with me. The temptation is just to tell you what it was. But I think that that wouldn't really add to the story. And it's still very embarrassing to me, even on the opposite side of this. So I wouldn't want to go into detail. The point is this. Is there anything in your life? Is there something that you're holding from Jesus to take control of? Something that you're hiding from, from the very person that's, going to he that's here to help you? After some prompting, I was finally able to tell the group what I was dealing with. The counseling group listened to my story unjudgmentally, uh, and their prayers made it comfortable enough for me to talk about it. The Lord is still working on my heart. So first, after saying this, I want to regret. I want to regret saying anything. At first, I, I regretted saying anything at all when I first said it. But after having a conversation with Melissa, she looked at a need in my life and ignored her own feelings and gave a sacrificial gift to me. She showed me a love that I could only imagine. I cannot express how giving it was. She showed me an example of Christ. And I just, what love is this? I was beside myself. I couldn't believe that Jesus answered the prayer this way. Um, now one thing that does, that uh, the one thing, the thing doesn't have the power anymore. The boulder is lifted. Finally, victory. I want to give my heart, treasure, and talent to the Lord. Uh, in the scripture that uh, Scott read in Romans 12, uh, that shows the marks of a true Christian. And I think the one thing that I think we gotta, we have to hold on to, is that heaping hot coals on your enemy that heaping hot coals of kindness on your enemy. That's what we need to be doing. That's what we need to be living as a, in our, our hearts. Um, we need to live that scripture. 
I want to put a warning to anyone who is listening. If you're holding on to something, anything at all, I urge you to find a group of Christian brothers and sisters that you can unpack it. If you can hold up, if you continue to hold on into it, you'll just be a shadow of a person. Don't let Satan have the power. Give it up. I can tell you today, I do want to live and I do want to be part of my family's lives. God bless you all and thank you for your kindness and your patience. I'll just pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this message. Thank you for letting me say it to Lord and just uh, continue to watch over us and watch over this family of Christians that are trying to praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in most precious name. Amen. Helps if you don't have your Bible upside down, if you're going to read a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Randy Lemke. Um, I've been a member here for about a year or so, and um, it's been the, the best church that I've ever been involved in, and I've been involved in a lot of churches over the years. Uh, I met my wife in Florida. Um, we started our family there, and then in 2000, we ended up moving to Aberdeen, South Dakota. Not too many people look on a map and say, yep, that's where I want to live. But God in his providence, he puts you in places that you never would ever believe you'd be there. But I am so thankful that he has put us here. Um, last year we went to the ACBC uh, conference. And it was, it was very good. It was very challenging. It caused you to look at your life and examine your life. And as I did that, I thought, you know, this is really, really good. You know, and then this year we went and it was like a hundred times better because it was putting it into action where you're examining your life and you look and say, wow, I've got some major problems that I need fixed. The great thing is, is you're not alone. The counseling, I mean, we do counseling with each other all the time. We share with our families our hurts, our joys, our friends, and what God's doing in your life, um, the struggles that you have. And with a church body, it just makes it so much better to be able to do that. Our church family is so wonderful. God is so good to us. But I want to tell you what he was showing me. It, um, there's this little book called How to Overcome Evil. Okay, It's written by Jay Adams, and I would recommend it for everybody to read that. And it's an expository on Romans 12, 14 through 21. And Scott read it. 
so I won't have to reread it. But as I was reading this book and um, thinking about it, I thought, you know, do I inflict evil on people? Now, because it's easy to see the evil in the world in general, okay? We can all see it. We see when there's a bombing or somebody gets killed or, um, you know, just horrible injustices that happen. So I'm thinking, as I'm examining my life, how do I do that? What do I do? Well, the way that God showed me how I do that is in my marriage with my wife, I always repay evil for evil. She might say something to me that I get riled up about, and I just go right back at her, just even harder than what she came at me with. And in Romans 12.21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, if my response is evil towards her, evil's controlling me. And I'm commanded, it's a command for me to overcome evil. So, how do you practically do that? Because I'm kind of a practical person. How would that play out in my life? What would it look like type thing? It's nice to know it up here, but how do I get it from here to here? That's not always so easy to do. So... What I started doing was just simple. I just started praying, God, do not let me sin against you or my wife. I did not want to do that any longer. I wanted for God to change me. Do not let me sin. Seems really simple. Seems really easy. And in and of yourself, you won't be able to do that. I'll be a failure. I can't do it in my own strength, in my own power. So that got me to thinking, well, well, how is this going to be done? Well, the way it's done, the way Jesus did it, Jesus wasn't any different from you and I, except he doesn't have any sin. Okay, but he was fully human, just like I am. He experienced the same things I experienced, the joys, the sorrows, life in general, the ups and downs. So it's only through the Holy Spirit that, that we can accomplish this. You know, we can try harder, do better, but that doesn't, that's not going to work. It might, you know, help a little bit, but we will always revert back to doing it in our own strength. So... To me, that was good news because as a born-again Christian, I know that the Holy Spirit is with me. So if this is going to be accomplished, it's only through the Holy Spirit that this is going to happen. So if you're 
a man of my age here today, or you're just starting out with your children, young men. I look at some of the young guys in our church, and boy, I look at you guys and I think, wow, you guys, you guys are doing pretty good compared to when I compare myself to where you guys are today. I see, because I'm kind of a watcher. <laughs> I sit back and I like to, you know, just look and observe. And I see some of the young men in our church and how they um, deal with their families and their children. And I think, these guys are doing it. They're doing it. And I want to encourage you to keep doing it and keep spending that time. Make that time for your wife and your children. And I know we get caught up with life and everything that's going on. And it's hard. It really is. But in God's design... We have to fight. We're in a battle. It's a war until we die, and then it's Jesus. But we're commanded to do it. So, young guys, I just want to encourage you to keep fighting and surround yourself with other believers that can encourage you. And then I want to speak to the men of my age also. I mean, I can, <laughs> I can look back on my life and have so many regrets as to what I didn't do right. And it's a lot. From raising my children you would think, oh, you did, a, you did a fine job. They're both believers, you know. Um, but when I look at shepherding them, um, there's a lot of things that I wish I would have done differently. But they're growing up now, and they are out on their own, so it's... My wife and I, and we do still have Madison at home, which I cherish that I can be an influence on her still. And, but to the guys of my age, if, if we aren't shepherding our wife's hearts, today you can start. It's never too late. God is so good to us, and He loves us, and He's saying, guys, sit down with her. We do fail. We have failed. But it doesn't have to stay there. God's given us the victory. We got to be willing to do it. You know, take that time, even if it's just five or ten minutes a day, and just look across from the table at her and ask her to forgive you. And today's a new day. 
we can start over. And I guess that's the main message that God has been dealing with me in my life. And I'll, uh, I'll pray too. And Scott, then you can come up. Dear Heavenly Father, you are just so good. We are broken, fallen people, and you know that. And you entered that brokenness to save people like us. And I just pray, Father, that if there's anybody here today who needs hope, that they can be saved too. I just pray, Father, that you would just speak to their heart and let them know that you're calling them and that you love them. And Father, I just uh, thank you so much for this body of believers. I pray that we would grow in the love of Christ Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for... Um, <clears throat> thank you for your honesty and uh, being, being willing to share that with us. I want to give God the glory and the credit for... His work in your life and for both of your lives, but but praise God, not just for uh, revealing to you um, selfishness, pride, uh, evil in your hearts, but also for uh, His work in your lives, for you be, to be willing to step out into the light, and uh, even in the light of being able to share that with uh, a group this big. Um, so I just thank you, and um, uh, I, I don't want to take. I appreciate both both the ways that you uh, challenged us based on what you've experienced. Um, I just have a couple things I want to say. I don't want to take away from anything that you challenged us with. But um, if if any of you have not ever truly grappled with the significance of your own personal sin. Uh, if you if you haven't really grappled with the depth of your own sinful nature, the fact that you've personally offended God, it's 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 sort of easy to recognize. You know, it's human to make mistakes. It's human to sin. We all fail. But but if you've never come to the point of recognizing uh, the depth of your your own sinful nature. Recognizing things like what we see in Colossians 1.21, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. I'll stop there just for a second. That, that is our natural default state apart from God. That is, that is our natural default state as we, we come into the world. And that might offend you. You might be willing to admit, yeah, I do evil deeds, but I do good, I do good deeds too. But even in our, even in the good things we do, we do them alienated from God and hostile to God in mind. It says, but what God has done, verse 22 of Colossians 1, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless 
and above reproach before him. Not only is he determined to forgive us and make right the relationship that is broken between us and himself, but he, his project is to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Verse 23, if, in, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard. So if, if you've never truly put your faith in Christ, put your faith in the Christ who has dealt with the depth of your sin, we encourage you this morning, come to Christ. Recognize that apart from God in your sin, you are alienated from God and hostile and mine. That, that, that state apart from grace, apart from Christ and the work of the Spirit in your life, we're, we're evil. That, that is the, um, summary of what the Bible calls us apart from Christ. We're evil. But God is in the business of, of reconciliation. So I would just encourage you, if, uh, if that is you this morning, recognize your sin. Turn from your sin and put your, put your trust in Christ's work on, on your behalf. Uh, I also just wanted to point out, um, just being able to uh, see even more closely and personally over the last couple of weeks, or for, more than that, I guess, in, in Joel's life. Um, if you've never experienced the freedom and joy that comes with a clear conscience, uh, if you've never experienced the freedom that comes from confessing sin rather than hiding sin and keeping it covered, I want to remind you of verses like 1 John one nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He goes on, John goes on later to encourage us not just to confess our sins to God, but to confess our sins to, to one another. There's something about bringing our sin out of the darkness and out of keeping it hidden and bringing it out into the light. Uh, <clears throat> amongst God's people that, that really takes the power away from sin. You, you don't need to confess your sins to the whole church. We're not going to call everyone up front to, to do this. Uh, you don't need to confess your sins to someone who's ultra spiritual. It's not like you only have to confess. You can only confess your sins to one of the leaders of this church. But New Testament Christianity is designed that we would live the Christian life with one another. It's not something that's just between you and God, but it's something that God is doing uh, amongst His His people collectively and together. So I'd encourage you, if you're convicted by that, if you have sin hidden in your life, something something comes to mind that you know, I would encourage you. Find someone you consider spiritually mature. Find someone you trust and confess your sin, knowing that there is grace and freedom promised to you if, if you do. The, the steps of obedience and restoration can be hard, but the Bible promises us joy and, and freedom, if you will. And finally, I just like what we've seen. Just two, just two little examples this morning. Just such a small sample of God's work, even in the lives of Joel and Randy. Let this be a reminder. <clears throat> Excuse me, let this be a reminder of who we are 
at Sovereign Grace and why we exist. Uh, we are a whole church of Joel Egnas and Randy Lemkes. We, we are not a group of people who have arrived spiritually so that we can look down on the rest of the world from our uh, spiritual place of superiority. We are people who suffer and who sin and who are continually in need of the resources God has to make us right again. So this church is not, it's not just a social club. It's not just a networking association. Uh, this isn't uh, just merely some community improvement initiative. It's not a place where we come and get our, our morals all worked out. Uh, we, we don't gather when we gather. We, we don't gather because we enjoy the same hobbies or because we like the same music or because we share the same backgrounds. There's groups like that that exist all, all over the place you can find anywhere. And when we gather, it's not because we have all collectively come to uh, affirm the same rules for living, uh, whether those come to politics or health care or education or nutrition or parenting or entertainment or technology. That's, that's not why we gather. We don't even gather merely because we share the same doctrine or theological beliefs. Of course, that's an important part. But we don't, we don't gather merely because we even share those things. We gather because we find ourselves in Christ to be debtors to mercy. We're in debt to God's mercy. We, we gather because we find ourselves to be objects of God's divine affection. We gather because we're recipients of unmerited favor, favor from God that we have not earned. That's why we gather. We gather because God has poured out his grace on us in Christ and forgiven us on the basis of Christ's life, death, and resurrection and made us part of his spiritual family. We gather because we find ourselves in Christ as citizens of another kind of kingdom, of a new kingdom, of a coming kingdom, a kingdom that's not of this world. All around us, the nations are raging. But here is sovereign grace as, as objects, objects of God's mercy. We are, are people who are indwelled by the Spirit of God, forgiven people who have been promised eternal life in God's kingdom. So we, we gather as that kind of people committed to living what it looks like to live in God's kingdom all by his, all by his grace. So we might not look impressive. The local church might not look impressive, but this is actually, this is actually the coolest thing on earth. This is actually the coolest, most significant thing, uh, you can be a part of. We don't gather on Sunday mornings and pretend as if this is just another part of our lives. We don't pretend as if this isn't the most significant thing you could possibly be a part of. It is. And praise God that he's actually working among us. And we've seen just a taste of that this morning, just two examples of that this morning. Uh, it's not that we would never do this again on a Sunday morning when we usually would uh, open God's Word and, uh, and have a sermon, but we, we've done this this morning because what we'd actually like is to have this reproduced again and again and again on smaller levels in the body of Christ at, at Sovereign Grace. We would like, we believe it glorify God if, if the basis and the fuel of our relationships at Sovereign Grace was the gospel and what God is doing 
among us. In fact, according to the New Testament, that's actually what we should come to expect in the local church. Uh, we're, just, we're not going to get anywhere if we show up at church functions week after week, glad to share the same theology or morality with, with, with other people, pretending as if everything's okay, but never really opening up about our, our, our real struggles or what it really means to suffer in this world. It's going to require humbling ourselves similar to what we've seen uh, this morning with one another in our individual relationships. So in light of all that God has done for us in Christ and that we're encouraged by the specific examples that we've seen this morning, I'm just going to read one more time. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but be but overcome evil with good. And by God's grace, we will.